Welcome to the Future of Work series presented by Algonquin College's Corporate Learning Center. I'm your host, Doug Weatherspoon, the Chief Learning Officer of an amazing team of creative professionals that are dedicated to helping individuals and organizations thrive. In this series, we're sharing some fantastic insights to help you optimize both yourself and your organization for the future of work. Today, you're going to hear from Conville Matten, the Chief of Staff to Shopify's Chief Product Officer. Conville's a strategic partner in defining project strategies that meet customer needs. And previously, she was the Director of Culture and Talent Development at Shopify. She'll be sharing her insights on ambiguity and the need to embrace it in today's workplace. The first thing is that you need curiosity. It's an absolute prerequisite. When you don't know everything, you have to be ready to learn. And the thing about curiosity is that in many ways, it's actually an act of bravery. It's pretty scary. You're operating from a place of not knowing, of being open and vulnerable, and more often than not saying, I don't know. Convo, great presentation today at our Future of Work speaker series. Could you kind of just dive in a little bit to kind of the topic of ambiguity in the workplace and kind of where it fits in Shopify's uh, culture. Yeah, thank you. Um, I would say that commerce is a really um, interesting space to be in right now. There's a lot of players in this space and it's evolving so much with technology. And um, so there's really no consistency um, and it's constantly changing. And for us, we've just chosen to really embrace that and say that it's always going to be fast moving. And so we need to become an organization that is ready for that. And what that means is that, like, we won't know all the answers. It's going to be a very unknown space at times, but we take it as a positive in that we can start to define it if we're all very curious and eager to learn about what's happening in the world. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like every organization (laughs) is going through that kind of change and continuous improvement efforts. Walk me through, where does culture fit in creating that comfort with ambiguity? Yeah, so I mean, I, I talked about this a little bit in the presentation, but culture for me is really the the sum of all the beliefs and behaviors of every single person at the organization. And if you think about, for most of us, our people are our biggest spend, like it's our biggest investment. So the way that they show up to work, their relationship to work, how well they're able to set up to succeed, um, really that that environment is is the culture. And so it's a really huge investment that if you're mindful about and intentional about, it can have huge payoffs in being able to achieve your business goals. And that's kind of how we think about it as a huge chunk of our team is either on the R&D side, so they're working on all the products that we're putting out for our merchants, or on the support side who are having daily conversations with our merchants and supporting them in their next stage or evolution of their business. Walk me through... Because I've I've seen, you know, clear vision, the connecting of vision with values and then the behaviors ultimately that kind of I think of the definition of, of culture as the, the behaviors that happen when nobody is looking, mm-hmm. um, you know, the stuff behind the scene. So that alignment between vision and values and ultimately then the behaviors, give uh, some examples of how that's kind of evolved at Shopify over the last number of years. Yeah, so I, I would say our vision has largely stayed the same. So for us, we say that uh, we're, well, rather our mission is to be, to make commerce better for everyone. 
And we actually broke that down. So we talked about why we chose the word make and better uh, and for everyone. And that's not just our our customers or our merchants, but their customers, so the buyers, and then the partners that help us build solutions for our merchants. So there was a lot of thought and intentionality behind that mission statement that we came up with. And then when it comes to our values, it's uh, it's definitely evolved over time as we've gotten to become a little bit smarter about, um, you know, here are the things that we're actually doing or the behaviors that we're actually seeing. And for us, we always say, it's what Shopify values, not Shopify's values. And I know that sounds maybe um, silly, but it, it really is what do we value in our folks and what are the behaviors that we see them doing that make them successful at Shopify? And those are what Shopify values. So we've got six of those. So that nice short mission statement, you know, how long did it take to come up with that? Is that, a, <laughs> is that something that just uh, Toby or uh, uh, you know, one of the founders came up with? Or is that an evolution that got you to that? Because I think you know, from our perspective, language does matter. It does, yes. Actually, it's funny. Most people that work with me know that I am so particular about language because it, it really is the filter through which we see the world. And it's important to use the right words. So funny enough, actually, uh, our he's now CPO, so the person that I work really closely with. But before that, he was the CMO. So he's he's really big on words as well. And he, I was having a chat with him a long time ago and he's like the why guy in, in the room always like he will ask why five times and um, he's just I don't know I don't know what prompted him because this was before I started working really closely with him but there was one day where he wrote out an email to his peers so the entire executive team and he said we're here to make commerce better for everyone and then he explained like each word and why he'd chosen it and I think that was an accumulation of all the conversations that we've been having over the years he just sort of took ownership of writing that out and then we were like, okay, that's that's great. So we're going to now internally share that as the thing. And it hasn't changed since then. There's always, you know. How long ago was that? Oh, I want to say maybe four, year, five, four years ago. Yeah. So like we, we didn't, maybe five years ago. Yeah, we didn't have it super clean before that. We had lots of different slogans that have lived on uh, in different times. But it is, I think, you know, some of the work. I talked a little bit about um, making great decisions quickly uh, at Shopify. And when I worked on the second version and then the third version of the values, I was really mindful about the implication of putting this these words out into our environment. Essentially, it takes a lot of effort to get people to believe in and use those words and like actually uh, think about them when they're making decisions. Like it's such a beautiful thing when you've like crafted this document. Like I'd written it so many times, tweaked so many words. And then I would go to another completely different team and I would hear them say it just casually in a sentence. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. Um, but that takes so long to accomplish and through so many different methods that it's not something that I took lightly. So I actually really took a long time. I didn't make that decision as quickly as maybe some of the other decisions because it wasn't as easy to reverse. Once it was out there and people were using it, it's really difficult to to get them to forget about it. Right, right. But I, I mean, I, I love its simplicity, right? Make commerce better for everyone. Yeah. It's, it's a passable language. So that kind of, you've got your purpose kind of, you know, nailed down. Um, talk to me about the, what you, what else you have to nail down. Uh, you know, you, I think you've mentioned a little bit about rituals mm -hmm. and the cascadingness of that. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about the importance of those rituals? Yeah, I think... Um just like families or sports teams or any kind of like community has these like things that they do at a certain cadence where they come together uh, is really, really important. And 
for us, one of the ones that's so ingrained that I, I didn't talk about in the presentation that I think is kind of interesting is our town hall. We do it every single Friday at 4 p.m. And uh, there's no calendar invite. Like no one, like it's just known that at Friday it's town hall. Every single Friday. Every single Friday. And we've had that for so many years. And I've always been like, ooh, is there going to be a day where we stop doing it? Because, you know, if you're willing to thrive on change, then there might be a day where you're not doing this anymore. But uh, to me, it's such an important piece of our culture because so way back in the day, we did have to tell people like earlier on in the day. But then as everyone started onboarding, it just it was because it happened every week. People just know we'll send um, an email saying like what's on the agenda uh, in the beginning of the week. But um, for me, the importance of town hall wasn't that it was like this reoccurring thing that people just knew to show up for, but it was this opportunity for us as a culture team or the HR team to have the space where we could create um, very purposeful interactions maybe. So um, it's kind of like when you break bread. At the end of the week, you've maybe talked about a bunch of things, work on different things, and then you meet up with some folks and then you say, hey, so uh, I'm working on this problem and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit stuck or I have this idea and then it's that moment where someone else is like, oh, have you thought about this? And those serendipitous conversations have created so much goodness in, in terms of the ideas and things that we've been able to execute on. It's really hard to quantify those conversations, um, but that's why we believe, like, we don't really want to let go of that. And we've even des- designed our office spaces to have those, like, serendipitous, like, meetups in the hallway where, and then there's going to be a little nook so you can just like go off into the side if you found someone that you're like, oh, that's a really cool idea. I hadn't thought about that or neat perspective or whatever it is. Um, so that's one ritual. But then we also have, like I said, our once a year we'll do the annual summit and everyone knows that it's going to be in the beginning of the year. We're going to kick off the year with a little look back on what we accomplished last year and then mostly talking about what we want to build this year. And people get pretty excited about it. It's a mix of I mean, being in Canada, it's really cold this time of year. The morale is a little low, so we were strategic about when we chose to do it. But um, so it's a little pick me up, a little reminder about what who they're building for. So lots of merchant stories that are weaved in throughout the day, and um, and then a bit of a roadmap for the year for what we're going to be building for our merchants. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the executive team understands the importance of those rituals and kind yeah. of embeds. Uh, you know, those touch points really of, of building that culture. Um, you know, ask me anything mm-hmm. I think uh, you, you have. Can you give us a sense of how the executive team has kind of really led that effort? Yeah, they. I honestly always say, like, I couldn't have done my job without them. Like, they, that was absolutely paramount. And uh, actually, before I joined Daniel, who's the co-founder, uh, ran town halls before I did. So he would go around to all of the different pods and say, what are you working on? You should share that at town hall. So like he was running that and Toby, you know, really, um, it's kind of tough being in the hot seat every, every so often and having all of your employees ask you literally anything, but he's open to that. He, he, he's really, he allows people to be curious and ask him whatever they want to be asking him. So Toby's really, really involved in our summit. Like we're working on that right now. The entire leadership team understands it. And even to the point, I mean, I talked about this. Most companies would say, oh, like our legal team slows us down or like they're really, they're very cautious. But if anything, our general counsel and our entire legal team is incredible. But I think that had to do with our hiring. We knew that we needed someone that was going to understand what kind of culture we wanted to build. And his team is incredible. Like they're like, okay, you need to accomplish this. Cool. Like let's partner together to get you to, to do this, but also we want to be aware of all the risks and make 
just making calculated decisions instead of kind of being roadblockers. They really well, it's, amplify it's systems us. thinking, right? Yeah. And I know you, you, you're a big believer in systems. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's your definition of systems and, and, and all these things linking together is obviously a key component. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that I didn't know that I was a systems thinker until a year ago, which is insane. Surprising. (laughs) Because I always, when people would say something, I would think about all of the dominoes effect of that decision and how that would hit everything else. And and then someone said to me, they're like, that's systems thinking. You know that, right? And I was like, oh. And then I I read the book and I was like, oh my gosh, now I have language to talk about the things that I'm thinking. So it was brilliant. A system really has, there's an action and then there's a domino effect of those, that action that's been taken and there needs to be a feedback loop. And so there's a lot of related components that work together and you're hopefully able to achieve a certain goal with that action. And that's kind of like the objective. Yeah. Yeah. Objectives yeah. and then a set of actions that ultimately close. Yeah, the loop. exactly. So you, you have any system really should ideally have an objective, whether it's just to keep things as is like equilibrium or to in, introduce a change. And within that, you'll have some key components that, that you're able to tweak and those are your levers that you're playing around with. And um, that creates this environment that's the space that all of this lives in. Could you give us some, maybe some examples of where you've seen employees tap into the courage to be curious and its impact, you know, uh, in Shopify's uh, growth and expansion? There's this uh, product manager in Toronto. He built this app called Arrive and it's a way for people to track their packages. And so, you know, you, you, you buy something online and you're wondering when is this package going to get to me? And uh, so he's built this tool. I want to say he was almost doing it off the side of his desk in the first little while because we were like, well, we're not really sure like how many people are going to use this. And he he was just really keen on working on this problem. And it's kind of crazy because now I think in the U.S. it's one of the like the top apps that people have downloaded. Really? Um, and people are tracking their packages through it. And uh, it tracks all your packages, whether you've bought on you know a Shopify store or not. But it's what I love about Shopify is that that idea came from someone like within the org. It wasn't a top-down decision. Um, if anything, actually, uh, one of the leaders were was like, yeah, I don't know about this. And then he went up on stage this year being like, I was wrong. Didn't think that was going to take off. It's huge. Um, and so I, I love that our culture in, invites anyone to be able to test an idea and then if the proof's in the pudding, then like, hey, cool, let's let's put some real force behind it. Yeah, that vulnerability too, even on the leadership side, just humanizes yeah. folks. You know, you've mentioned it a couple of times about communications and openness. So, you know, how important is transparency for organizations that are facing ambiguity and change? Yeah, so it's funny, putting this uh, presentation together uh, for this morning was interesting because I... I'm obsessed with ambiguity, but um, it made me realize that there's so many decisions that we've made around transparency and communication that have actually allowed us to to be nimble and to change as much as we need to as the changes come our way. And so when um, we're not really like super precise about what we tell people to work on, there's a vision, here's where we'd like to go, please go figure it out. You guys are all smart. I'll get out of your way type thing. And um, what that means is that they need to know because commerce is so interrelated. So what's happening on the payment side versus what's happening on the shipment side or how someone's tracking their inventory. Those are all 
for for merchants, if you're a small merchant, you're doing all of those things as one individual. You log on to Shopify and you experience that whole process, but we have different teams working on it. So they need to understand the entire system of commerce to be able to do their job properly. And um, we realize that we don't know what they need to know. We can't pretend to say like, hey, you're doing this role, so you should have access to only this bits of information and everything else is not relevant to you. Because we don't know how people's brains work and what ideas spark new things for them. And so um, we decided really early on that we wanted to default to open and all teams would share across all platforms. And I mean, we quickly realized that was super overwhelming. And so we've now, you know, <laughs> categorized that information. There's like a podcast that happens. There's there's so much. Con- we Actually, context is the biggest word that people use at Shopify. It's like, you have so much context. I really want to pick your brain. And so it's valued because it's this really powerful way to be able to navigate that ambiguity. Um, but it, it, it came from a place of, we don't want to tell people how to do their jobs. We don't know what they need or what sparks them. And so it's all here. You pick and choose. And I think that's what allows really, truly great ideas to come from anywhere in the organization. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I think there are folks going to be listening that are going to saying, what, you don't tell people what to do on a daily basis? <laughs> and the reality is that the world is changing. We have no idea where it's changing, which way it's going. So the idea of somebody being the smartest person in the room is just such an outdated mode of, of leadership and, and of yeah. thinking. Yeah, there's, um, I think great leadership has humility, right? It's like, I, um, I actually, I've been really fortunate to have exceptional leaders, but there are times where they're like, I don't think about what you think about day to day. Like, tell me what should I do? And that's really empowering, right? That Then that makes, that motivates me to be like, okay, that person's going to ask me a question. I really want to know the answer to right, it. Right. So it's like, by doing that, you're actually empowering and motivating this individual to go out and learn a ton because they're like, they're going to come and ask me a question. I want to know the answer to it, right? And so um, everyone has different skill sets, and it's like the combination of all of those in- intelligent, that insight, that knowledge that really allows us to to be good at, I think, what we do. We had some conversations earlier around, you know, Shopify is a fast-growing company, right? Uh, it's only 16 years old. It's now got a million customers using the platform across the country. You now have offices in, all, you know, not just Canada, but yeah. in, in Germany and Singapore. Talk to us a little bit about subcultures and, and you know, obviously dealing in a diverse multinational organization. You've got to be thinking about things a little bit differently. I think culture needs to feel authentic. I think that's really, really important. But that authenticity also needs to know. I, I talked a lot about this in the presentation around like being grounded in who you are. And I think those become our non-negotiables. So no matter what country we're in, what culture we're in, everyone knows that we are here to make commerce better for everyone and that we want to fight for the small merchants. Most companies want to move up market and they're like, well, there's more money there. But it's like, no, it's in our DNA to help people get started to gain independence and to, to start their own business. And so that's a part that we're never going to let go of. If anything, we really want to focus on that. And so this is communicated widely and deeply through the recruiting process, through the onboarding process, and most uh, communications that we put out, most rituals, like there's elements of this that they are reminded of all the time. And then, you know, we've got our values around, we measure people based on their impact. How well did you perform? Uh, What are the results of something that you did? And did you work on the right thing? Because some people, they're like, I'm doing so well. It's like, yeah, but that's not of value like you need to be doing that's not in the areas of strategic yeah exactly and so i think for us those are the things that were absolutely kind of non-negotiables for us no matter what country we're in but anything other than that um as long as like i said people are treating each other with respect have assumed positive intent they 
put the company first and not just their team or their office or their culture. And that's where I think the, the rules of engagements kind of counterbalance the values. Because here's what we say. These are the most ideal traits that we want to see from you in our values, uh, like be impactful and be a constant learner and thrive on change. And then we've got this counterbalance on the other side of our rules of engagement, which essentially say, and, and like, please do not do this because it's not tolerated. Um, and so when you have those two, everything else is kind of fair game. Yeah, you've got a clear road to follow, so to speak. You've got purpose clearly identified, easily passable in language. Um, you're giving people the flexibility to ultimately kind of jump in where they think they're best suited to jump in. Yeah. And yet you have this kind of code. Walk me through the commitment to values on the one side and the kind of the rules engagement. Um, it's a really interesting kind of duopoly of roles there. Walk us through that. Yeah. So I would say that our values are... And behaviors that we've seen of people that are really successful at Shopify. So they're more of the, I would say, positive. Some examples would be be impactful, be a constant learner, uh, be merchant obsessed, thrive on change. And those are some of the things that we really want to see people doing on a daily, weekly basis in the way they think about work and the way that they show up with each other and how they think about the decisions that they're making. On the other side, we have our rules of engagement, which are more guardrails around things that we don't want to see. And so we don't want people to always put their teams first over the company. And so we say, put the company first, not your team. Some people have self-interest and they're like, well, I really got to make sure that this product line or this group of people are being looked after. But it's like, we're all here in the service of making commerce better for everyone. And so do what's best for the company. And sometimes those two can be at odds. Um, we've also got um, have positive intent. And so sometimes we've noticed behaviors where people were just not giving each other the benefit of the doubt. And so we put that rule of engagement in place to say, everyone here is working on towards the same mission. We're all on one team. So start from a base of having positive intent. And then you can get curious. Maybe they don't have positive intent, but assume that first and don't assume the opposite. So the do's and the don'ts yeah. kind of create the guardrails for kind of the behaviors that you're expecting. Yeah, so, because we, like I said earlier, because we're not telling everyone, here's your job and here's how to do it. Um, we give these guardrails to say, you know, this is what's acceptable. These are the desired behaviors, and this is what's unacceptable, essentially. Right. Including don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> uh, I love I love the bluntness of it. But again, language matters, right? It's yeah. uh, You get a point across by being kind of direct. Yeah. <laughs> in a fun way. <laughs> Excellent. So um, what does learning look like then at Shopify? Because obviously you've got lots of folks, fast-changing organization. Talk me through a little bit about the commitment to learning at, yeah. at Shopify. So we've, I mean, we've got such a whole gamut of perks and benefits around that. Um, one of the things I'll, I'll talk about some of the more unique programs. So obviously we've got the learning and development team. They put out lots of trainings for whether you're a new hire, whether you're a first time lead, like there's lots of curriculum for that. But then I would say two of the more unique things are um, one Toby uh, has these books. He's he's an avid reader, and um, there's a book club. There's well, or a reading uh, list. It's it's called well, we called it the book bar, and it's a physical like book bar in every office that has basically books that he's chosen. Um, of course, you can recommend them to him, but he sort of like vets them, uh, and they're they're great. Like I picked up a book early in my Shopify career called um, The Power of Quiet. Uh, it was about introverts. And that book really changed actually my perspective on culture because I, I I was more extroverted. And so 
I didn't quite understand why people just didn't want to talk. Um, and I was trying to build a culture and community and I was like, why don't they want to talk? Um, and so reading that book made me realize that they want to engage in a very different way. And it, and it was hugely helpful in the role of culture. And um, so the books are really pivotal in terms of, and they, you know, they broad, range so broad. broad yeah. Cause I, and I think we talk about this being a T-shaped individual. And so, you have this kind of breadth, but then you go really deep on this one topic and area. And so the book bar is actually quite reflective of that. There aren't there are very few coding or technology books. They're more like philosophy and life and business. Um, so there, there's that one example of uh, something that we do to encourage people to learn. So anyone can pick up a book, return it when they're done. And there are Slack channels so they can talk about it and get together if they'd like. And then the other thing that I honestly personally has benefited me immensely, and I think the entire, entire leadership team, is we have full-time, like, permanent staff that are coaches um, at Shopify. And most people, like, especially director and above, you have a dedicated coach that you work with, and then they've also created a program for anyone in the organization to book, like, a 30-minute slot. Love it. And so, you know, when you're going through immense change and you're growing personally and you're developing professionally, like, you you need that support to help someone, someone to help you guide you through that. And uh, they've... It was probably the smartest decision, I think, that one of the smartest decisions Shopify's ever made internally for helping through this in, this crazy ride. Yeah. It's yeah. funny because uh, I often akin it to uh, sports teams. You know, <laughs> sports teams spend a huge amount of money on coaching. Yeah. They spend a huge amount of uh, money and time and effort on practicing. Yeah. And, and then they go out and play. Yeah. Whereas in the world of regular work, you're just supposed to go out and yeah. play, and yeah. go out and work. and Without any of the benefits of that practice, um, without the benefits yeah, the of feedback, feedback uh, video uh, replays, yeah, yeah. Um, and yet we think people are going to kind of evolve and uh, and get better without that if if all they're doing is on the field all the time. Yeah. So finding the time to get off the field, yeah. quiet time, time to to learn. Yeah, it's really about creating that space for for. T- to dissect. And actually it's funny that you brought up the sports team because um, we often said earlier on, like, we're not a family, we're a sports team because in a family, when someone doesn't perform, they're still a part of your family, <laughs> Right. but a sports team, like everyone has a role to play and we're all, we have to sort of perform. Right. Um, and that was a really important distinction because it can often feel like a family. You, you work so closely with them and um, we, I feel like Everyone is so brilliant and you just become friends with them and spend time with them. But it is uh, at the end of the day, like we're here to, to, to work on this mission. Yeah. That's an interesting, I've, I've never thought of that before, but uh, uh, it's a quite, and you know, if you think, keep going with the, the, the sports analogy here. Um, I mean, the reality is that there's a head coach and they're assisting mm-hmm. coaches and that's your leadership group, their job, full-time job in addition to setting the strategy, is actually coaching. Yeah. It's not about doing. Yeah. Uh, they don't go out on the field. And it's so many times the way we hire a manager or a director is all about their technical expertise previously. And oftentimes you don't have that managerial expertise. So the coaching kind of fills that gap. It's a, it's like a double-edged sword because you people get promoted for the things that they're really good at. But then as you move up, you stop doing the things that you were promoted for. Um, but I've also found that people that have done the job before tend to be better managers, in my opinion, because they know what goes into doing the job. And so they can um, provide better insight, provide better feedback, and, and in some ways, like, double-check the work and give really good, insightful feedback yeah. on what they're doing. 
so yeah, it's a bit. It's uh, people have to want to be a manager. Man- management is probably one of the most difficult uh, things to do. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what shift or change do you think workplaces, not just at Shopify but across the board, should really be thinking about for the next decade ahead? Is there anything that you think sticks out in your mind? You know, I think. Um, I know you're asking about the future, but I feel like this is a constant and it's probably always been a constant in the past. And when I was in the culture space, people would say, oh, uh, oh, the millennials, they really like this. They really like, you know, having freedom and autonomy. And and I was like, no, no, I actually completely disagree. A human, no matter what age group they're in or what their background is, everyone loves to be treated with respect. And if they're intelligent, they love to have the runway to do what they'd like to do. And so... It, it, to me, like, you have to know, again, your core principles of, like, what do people – humans are kind of just humans no matter where you go. Well, it's a humanistic approach to Yeah, and to so it, yeah. it's, like, um, focus on that. So if there's new tools and trends and technologies, just be attuned to the workforce that you have and what's important to them. And if if you treat them with respect, with dignity, like adults where they have the choice to make decisions and have ideas and it's a place to – do their best work, they will do it. I think most people, we spend so much time at work. Who who doesn't want to enjoy their job? Here, here. Uh, right? So um, I think people want to do good work. Like that's where the having positive intent is really important. Listen to them. I mean, I know that's not really answering your question, but I just think that's so pivotal and it. you need to get those things right more than anything else. Well, that comes back to, you know, no judgment and fail fast and uh, be okay with failure. And- yeah. And creating, uh, because you're talking about pivoting on a regular basis. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like it's all just going to change, right? Like there's going to be a trend of everyone wanting to work from home and then they're going to be like, no, that's, I feel disconnected. I want to get back in the office or I'm going to do this part-time thing. And then like, there's just, again, I'm a system thinker. So I'm like, okay, then you've bought all this real estate. And then what are you going to do with the real estate? Like there's just so many uh, effects of trying these experiments. So, so find nimble ways to experiment, but I mean, I talked about making great decisions quickly, and two of the things that we talk about is, like, how easy is it to reverse a decision? So if it's super reversible and quickly, be comfortable with trying it out and and then undo it if it doesn't work. But, again, like, as the person making the decision, you have to be comfortable with that, and then you have to tell everyone else that, like, hey, we make a lot of decisions here that just go all over the place, and that's that, that's what this place is about. Yeah, yeah. So you're signing up for this. Yeah. And I think transparency, again, is so key. If people think that they're coming to a steady state, and then it's not steady, they'll be disappointed. So I'm going to switch things up and maybe go to a little bit of a a kind of quick fire approach. (laughs) Uh, Name a book that's inspired you recently. Ooh. Yeah, so uh, this book, it's so short and it's so easy to read. I love science that is approachable. Um, And it's I can't remember the name of the author, but it's called Happy Chemicals. And I read that book also earlier on when I started on the culture journey. And it just made me realize all of the chemical reactions that are happening in our body. Like in a lot of ways, we're just advanced chimps with fancy phones, right? Like <laughs> we're, we're, and I know some people don't like to think of us that way, but we are, we're, we're mammals and we're a species. And so um, when someone gives you awful feedback and you think you're going to lose your job, the the physical, emotional, like chemical reaction that you're having in your body would have been the same as if a bear crept up on you. And so th- th- we don't have to worry about those fears anymore, but this feels like this is my livelihood. This is how I provide for my family and that could be taken away from me. And so when people react in such visceral ways, like there's something going on inside of them. Um, What's well, our flight or f- fight tendency, right? Yeah. Okay. And I, I think, again, if you can understand the subjects that you're working with 
like what are you working with, then you have a better uh, understanding of how to approach it. And so once I started to understand, oh, this is why people react this way, it's like, okay, well, when it comes to comp, it's going to get emotional. It's going to get really heavy. This is why performance management is so key. Uh, belonging is so, so important. Like we are, you know, a group species. Um, so if, if you come at it from like that scientific psychological perspective, it, it becomes very clear. It's not, it's no longer a mystery. Cool. Name me somebody who's inspired you, helped you on your career and, and kind of what advice did they give you that it really resonates with you today? Ooh, that's a good one. So my previous lead, um, I work really closely with her. She's the chief talent officer. She, I, th- I talked about this earlier, but I didn't have uh, a lot of confidence. Um, <laughs> just didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was making it up as I, I find as that I hard to believe. Yeah, no, I was just like, oh, I don't know what to do. But she, she kind of made me. She consistently championed me and made me realize um, that, like, my opinion and my perspective were important to bring to the table. And would often turn to me, like, when we were in meetings, it was these gestures that she did on a regular basis. Like, oh, I think Conville has something to say. Um, when she couldn't make it, she would send me instead of her. She she really just like created this path for me to um, to go. And I know she would she would sit here and say like, "You worked for it, you earned it," which is why I love her so much. But um, she it, it's it's so hard to find that type of championship in within the org. But when you do, and if you're willing to put in the work and step up to the challenge, when I pivoted from culture to product. Uh, she was huge in that. She actually suggested that maybe I try this. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not technical. I know nothing about like product. I can't do that. And she was like, I don't know. Maybe you should have a chat. So she was just sort of always nudging me along the way. But um, I'm lucky that my current lead is always like, okay, so what's next? Um, and, and I think that's where it's like that human element. Like if you can get to know each other and say, hey, I've noticed you're really good at this. And you don't seem to really enjoy that. Um, like Shopify has been, I've just been fortunate to have that here quite a bit. And even before Shopify, actually, I have to say. Cool. Yeah. Uh, is that Brittany? Yes. Oh, okay. yeah, you know, Brit, yeah, Brit, yeah. Brit Forsyth. Yeah, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. It's kind of cool when you have that, just somebody behind you, right? Mm-hmm. And, you, and it's a safe zone and, and, and everybody needs one of those at work and in, in life. And uh, Yeah, and it's been my um, kind of personal mission to do that for others in the org. I'm just like, I want to yeah. pass that on. And so I've, yeah. there's a few people that I'm like, oh, I see so much potential and just behind the scenes. So if you could give a piece of advice to uh, the 20 year old you, no, that's not very long ago, mind you. (laughs) Uh, But if you could give that piece of advice to somebody who's just kind of entering the workforce now, what would it be? Yeah. So I had really high expectations of myself. Like I, I needed everything to be very top notch. And um, it wasn't until recently that I like started to see behind the scenes. I was like, no one has it together. No one knows what they're doing, and um, we're all faking it. Yeah, make it. and it's uh, it really just felt like, huh, my shoulders kind of dropped, and I was like, you know what, it's all good. Like we're all we're all just trying to figure it out together, and that's perfectly fine. So I, I think that's what I would say is, um, it's okay if you don't if you don't know, and it's okay if you don't show up in the way that you would like to. Um, everyone has their moments. We're all human. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Much for appreciated me. for everything. <laughs> Well, that's it for this episode of the Future of Work series. Let's keep the conversation going. So follow us on social media and learn about our events at futureofworkseries.ca. I'm Doug Weatherspoon. Thanks for joining us.